Christ. And this morning, I'm going to talk about the, a life of loyalty. A life of loyalty. This morning, in the, in the small group discussion, we had the great um, sharing time about betrayal, about the importance of loyalty, and especially the importance of loving one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because remember, when we became Christians, we become part of God's great family. And God's great family is very much, and sometimes better than your own biological family. Because in God's family, love is the main focus. And that love source is the Lord Jesus Christ. So, please turn your Bibles to John chapter 13. I'm going to read the key passage here, uh, verses 34 and 35, but we're going to look at verses 21 to 27 and on as we discuss this message. John 13, 34, 35, the Bible says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one to another. Let us pray. Dear Lord, there are some of us here who need your love. Perhaps we have been betrayed. Perhaps we have been discouraged. Our lives have been devastated by circumstances, even by people in our own spheres. And Lord, we know that this world cannot offer us anything that will be lasting for eternity. It is only you, our Lord Jesus Christ, who can show us the perfect and unconditional kind of love that can help us go through even the worst kind of troubles and challenges and issues in our life. So Lord, we pray that through this message that you're going to bring all of us, your people, that you will help us, Lord, to instill this in our minds and to share this to other people who may be experiencing the same troubles as we are. So, Lord, may your Holy Spirit guide us and help us, Lord, to practically apply all the principles that we're going to learn. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I know that there's no one here who is exempted from being betrayed. Perhaps you were not betrayed in a, in a big deal by your friend or even by your family member, but at least once in our life, we have been betrayed by people. The word betray in the Bible means to deliver or to surrender someone or to yield someone, especially a friend or a family member, into another's hands. That means you give your friend or family member into the hands of your enemies. Just like what happened to Judas Iscariot when he betrayed our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, betrayal is really devastating, especially if that friend who betrayed you is a trusted friend, a confidant, or probably a family member, your spouse or your child. Or sometimes it probably your pastor 
or your brother and sister in Christ. We know that Judas was the most famous betrayer in history. Even those people who, who don't call themselves Christians know who Judas Iscariot was. He's a very famous person, or probably I would say notorious person. Because he did not just betray anybody. He betrayed the God who created all of us. The one who is called the Redeemer. The one who is called Friend. The one who is called the Savior. That's the one he betrayed. And, you know, when you talk to parents and you ask them, what name would you like your child to have? I believe no one wants that child to be named Judas. Because when you say the word Judas, that's something that is related to the most famous or notorious betrayer. In John chapter 13, especially here in our passage, verses 21 to 27 and 31 to 35, we're going to see the betrayal of, Ju of Judas Iscariot to, towards the Lord Jesus Christ. But we will see how the Lord Jesus Christ responded to the knowledge that Judas Iscariot is going to betray him. Remember, these 12 disciples are his inner circle. These are the 12 people whom the Lord Jesus Christ considered as friends, loyal friends, supposed to be. And you know what? Judas Iscariot was the treasurer of the group. He carries all the financial love gifts of people towards Jesus Christ and the ministry. And you know, during that time, if you are the treasurer, you are one of the most trusted individual in a certain group. So we can see here that Judas Iscariot was trusted by the other 11 disciples. That's why we'll see later on when Jesus Christ said, the one who dip the bread and take it from me will be the one betray me. They said, who is this person? They never thought that it would be Judas Iscariot, even though Jesus said directly that this is Judas Iscariot. Why? Because they trusted Judas Iscariot perhaps more than our Lord Jesus Christ. But we will see also that it was not only Judas Iscariot is going to betray Jesus Christ. All the other 11 will be betraying him. And especially one of them, the future leader of the disciples, the rock, Peter, is going to deny him not only once, not only twice, but three times. So you see, even the inner circle of the Lord Jesus Christ betrayed him. And we will see ourselves also. In some ways, we have betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ as his followers. So let's take a look at the passage. And the main point that I would like us to remember is that when we are connected to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we are abiding in him, we are called to exhibit consistent loyalty. So that's the, our important phrase this morning. Consistent loyalty. That's the antidote to betrayal and unfaithfulness towards our Lord Jesus and towards our friends. So let's take a look at verses 21, 27 
the first thing that I would like us to remember is that in order for us to have consistent loyalty towards Jesus especially, is to always recognize that there will be betrayal in our own life. There will be betrayal in our own life. So let's look at verses 21, 27. When Jesus had thus said, what are the things that he said? Remember, last week, when we discussed verses 1 to 17 of this chapter, Jesus Christ said, I wash your feet. And this is an example of serving other people. And if I, your master, your Lord, your teacher, served you by washing your feet, you need to follow my example. So the Lord Jesus Christ here in this passage before us this morning is showing us another great example of serving other people. Not only through washing the feet, but also even though you know that you're going, they're going to betray you, you'll still be friends with that person. You will still forgive and offer forgiveness to this person. So when Jesus had that said, he was troubled in spirit. We think that Jesus Christ is all perfect and all holy. Yes, that, that's true of him. But he was a human being also. He can be troubled. The word trouble here means to be agitated. Have you experienced that, that emotion, that circumstance in your life that you were also agitated in your own spirit? You're not expressing it physically, but deep inside, you're troubled. You're sad. You're grieving. You're not happy because someone hurt you. Someone offended you. Someone betrayed your trust especially if that is your friend or a family member. And Jesus Christ was not exempt from having that kind of feeling. So if Jesus Christ was troubled in spirit, the Lord Jesus is telling us, it's okay for you, my dear child, my dear friend, my dear follower, to be troubled in spirit when you are betrayed. It's all right for you to be discouraged. It's all right for you to be devastated and to be anguishing. Because of the pain that you experience. So Jesus Christ is telling us here, you can display your emotions. You don't need to be like a stone or a rock. Or you don't need to be poker-faced also. You can show your emotions. You can express them to people. Just like the Lord Jesus Christ. But what is important is, how do you deal with that discouragement? How do you deal with that betrayal? How do you deal with all your emotions? So he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray, betray me. So what did the disciples do? Just like probably if I tell you, someone of you will betray your pastor. And probably each one of you will just look at one another. Just like the disciples. They look one at another, doubting of whom he spake. So probably you look at your neighbor, at your seatmate, say, will you be the one? Am I the one? Or are you the other one? Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. So very close to the Lord Jesus Christ was John the Beloved. Okay? The same person who wrote the book of John, the Gospel of John, and also the three epistles of John, 1 John, 2 John, 
third John and what else the book of Revelation okay so he was the same person he was still young at this point in time and he was sitting beside Jesus Christ so Simon Peter their future leader therefore be gone to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake so of course John the beloved obliged he asked the Lord Jesus Christ he then lying on Jesus breast said unto him Lord who is this person so verse 26 Jesus did not say the name but he said he it is to whom I shall give a sap you know what a sap is it's a piece of bread because during that time when, when they have passed over they have a big piece of bread big loaf of bread and then they broke, break it into pieces and actually that's the first Lord's Supper they break the whole bread into small pieces and then distribute it to the whole group so he said to whom I shall give a sup when I have dipped it and then what did he do when he had dipped the sup he gave it to Judas Iscariot the son of Simon and what happened after that after the sup entered into him then said Jesus unto him that thou doest do quickly it is so amazing here that all the other the 12 disciples recognized that Jesus Christ gave the piece of bread to Judas, but later on they will ask, who is it? We don't know. As if they're saying, as if they're, they didn't see anything. It's very clear because Jesus Christ was, was at the center of the table. He gave the piece of bread to Judas Cariot. And everybody was still doubting who's that person is going to betray Jesus Christ. What do you think is happening in their mind? Could it be that they just ignored what happened? Or could it be that they did not trust what Jesus Christ said? They did not believe that what Jesus Christ said. Whatever the reason is, sometimes we are like these, 11, these 12 disciples. We are like them. We tend to ignore what Jesus Christ tells us. But we accept and receive everything else that the world offers us. Jesus Christ tells us, go to church on Sundays because that's the Lord's Day. Read the Word of God, meditate on it, and especially proclaim it to other people. But our friends will say, don't do that. That's not politically correct. Do other things. Enjoy yourself on a Sunday. You deserve a break. You can miss one or two Sundays a month. And then the other two Sundays, go somewhere. Go to the beach. Enjoy yourself. Forget about God. He understands. Is that the way we treat our Lord Jesus Christ? We ignore what He says but we accept everything else that the world offers us. That's what's happening to the 12 disciples. And much more so with Judas Cariot. He allowed Satan to enter him. Remember, Satan is not going to enter a person's life without you accepting him. Because every one of us has the free will. And God intends us to use that free will to receive Jesus Christ rather than to receive Satan into our life. 
Because everything that Jesus Christ can offer us are all good things. It doesn't mean that we'll be spared troubles and challenges and trials. But we will experience the ultimate joy that he promises. But how about Satan? When we accept him into our life, that's the point of no return. Because he is going to possess your soul. And that means you'll be belonging to him forever. You're not going to be able to go to heaven. But your destination will be the same as Satan. Because Satan is going to hell, to the lake of fire. So what's your choice if you are here right now? Would you listen to the Lord Jesus Christ's voice telling you, you are a sinner, just as all of us are sinners. Not because our first parents, Adam and Eve, were sinners and they just passed on the DNA of sin into our life, but because all of us individually are sinners in our inner nature, in our hearts. But the Lord Jesus Christ says, even if, even if you are a sinner, I still love you. That's why more than 2,000 years ago, I died on the cross. And my death on the cross 2,000 years ago is effective until the future that is coming. It's effective for the people during his time. It's effective for people 100 years ago. It's effective also for people in our day and time. He still loves people. But the problem is that not all people will accept the love that he offers. And that's why we have been given the free will. But now, knowing that the only way to have that ultimate joy in your life, starting today and the future and also in eternity, is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way that you can have perfect joy. If you don't receive him as your Lord and Savior, then you will be defeating the purpose of Jesus Christ coming here, and that is to save you. He wants you to have a personal relationship with him, and he's offering to you that gift freely. You don't need to pay something in order to get that gift because that's a free gift to all of us. And that's what we call the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You need to accept that by faith. Believe that he is the one who died on the cross. He was buried and that he rose again from the dead. If you are here today, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I pray and hope that you will come to the grip of that truth that you need Jesus Christ in your life. And if this will be the first day of your relationship with Jesus Christ, this will be the most joyous moment in your life. More joyful than your wedding day. More joyful than your birthday. More joyful than any other day or moment in your life. Because that's the moment when Jesus Christ is going to accept you into his great kingdom and family. In order to have consistent loyalty, continue to recognize that there will be betrayal in your own life. Secondly, in verses 31 to 33, 
when we are experiencing betrayal in our life, we still need to continue to live for the glory of God. Because the Apostle Paul tells us, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it unto the glory of God. Do everything unto the glory of God. But what does it mean, what does it mean by the word glory? The word glory is the Greek doxa. That's why we, we get doxology. The word doxa means weight or value. So when we say we give glory to Jesus Christ, we give him the value that he deserves. And what is his value? His value never changes. The Bible tells us that his value is always exalted and lifted up. He is the most important person in anybody's life. He especially, he's the most important person in every individual Christian. So when we give glory to the Lord, whatever practical ways we, we express that, that glory, we're giving Him and we're telling Him, Lord, you are so much valuable to me. You are so much important to me. And how do we give glory to the Lord? We give Him the priority in our life. The first place in every area and moment of our life. So let's take a look how Jesus Christ responded to the knowledge that he's going to be betrayed by Judas Iscariot. Therefore, when he was gone out, verse 31, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Can you imagine that in two verses, five times we see the word glory or glorified. And this comes out of the Lord Jesus Christ's mouth. How is the Lord God himself being glorified in Jesus Christ? First and foremost, in last week's passage, the Lord God was glorified when Jesus Christ showed servant leadership. Servant leadership. As I told you last week, in the world that we live in, leadership is not about being a servant. Leadership is about being a dictator. Someone who will command every, everybody else among his subordinates to do something for him. But the Lord Jesus Christ did something better than all the leaders in the world. He serves us. In Mark 10, 45, the Bible tells us, the Son of God came not to be ministered unto, he didn't come to be served, but he came to minister to people. And how did he do that? He made his life a ransom for many. His life became our payment for our sins. Because when we have committed sin against the Lord God himself who created us, we created a big debt. Perhaps some of you have some kind of debts, credit card debts or whatever. That's nothing compared to the debt we have against the Lord God himself. And that debt is called sin. And we cannot pay for that sin. 
Even if you say, well, I'm going to Richmond Bible Baptist Church. Can that pay for my sin? Oh, I'm reading my Bible. Can, they pay, can that pay for my sin? My brother is also a Christian. Can he pay for my sin? My parents are Christians. Can they pay for my sin? Or I'm doing good things for my, for my friends, for my families. Can, they, can that pay for my sin? No. The only payment for sin is the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and His eventual resurrection. There's only one payment. You cannot put your phone on, on a machine and tap it and then you're going to pay. That's already paid. All, your, all the things that you bought. No. Only Jesus Christ can pay for all our sins. And in that way, the Lord Jesus Christ glorified the Lord. The essence of glorifying the Lord is following His command. Jesus Christ knew the will of God in His life, and despite the betrayal that He's going to experience in the hands of His friend Judas, He still went on to the cross. He never cared about what Judas did to him. But he cared about the will of God in our life. And let me ask you this. Is the will of God top, front, and center in your life? Is it the number one in your life? Or is it your will that is number one in your life? Think about that. If you're going through college right now, you are looking for jobs or you're doing something else, what is your number one priority? Is it to follow the will of God in your life? Or is it to follow your own will? Do it your own way. DIY. Do it yourself. Don't depend on God. And that's what the world tells us. Follow your heart. Listen to your heart. But the heart is so deceitful, the Bible says. I pray and hope that each one of us here will make a sincere commitment to the Lord. Lord, as far as my best can do, I will follow your will. And of course, we cannot follow the will of God by our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. That's how we glorify God. We may not be able to die for other people, although some of our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially in North Korea and China, are experiencing martyrdom. Actually, uh, I think this last week or two weeks ago, one uh, Chinese pastor uh, for gathering illegally in a certain place, a group of believers will be jailed for about, I think, five or six months. Because that's an illegal gathering, according to the Chinese government. But we are so thankful here in North America. We can gather anywhere we want. Any day we want, we can get together. And no one is going to protest against us. But those people in China, even if they were branded and penalized for illegal gathering, what do they do every single week? They still keep on gathering. But God's people in this world, this side of the world, 
We have all the freedom to worship God any day, any moment. And especially Sunday morning, we would rather choose to do something else rather than glorify the Lord. It's so sad. And in that way, God is not being glorified. And I believe that's why North America, especially U.S. and Canada, is going down that kind of road, a bad road that we are going through. Because the foundation of these two nations is the Bible. But now, uh, they said, uh, I think uh, in about uh, 15, 20 years, Christians will no longer be in the majority. Right now, we are still in the majority, about 50%. But in many years' time, there will be only probably 40% Christians. And you are seeing that right now. Young people going to college who have been raised up and trained in the Word of God in the church, they started to stray from the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. They are being influenced by the world. And that's why when the deacons and I were planning this uh, gym, uh, gym night for the youth outreach, God had impressed in, in, in my mind to call this the next gen overcomers. Because we need to raise up a new generation of godly believers, not just believers, but godly believers who will continue to pass on the word of God and spread it to the next, next, next generations, to our grandchildren and great-grandchildren and so on. And especially through this church. That should be our passion. That's how we show our loyalty. That's how we glorify our Lord Jesus Christ. Further on in our passage, verse 33, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jew, Jews, whither I go, I, you cannot come. So now I say to you. So here Jesus Christ is telling the disciples, I'm going to die. And at this point in time, the disciples understood what he's going to say. That is going to leave them. And if you read chapters 14 and 15, you will see the, the grief and the sor sorrow, the trouble in the hearts of the disciples. Because they're going to lose a leader. Just imagine, if this church is going to lose a leader, just like you know, our, our church plant in, in Palawan right now, and this should be our prayer, our prayer for our church plant in, uh, in uh, Palawan because um, Pastor Glenn Garcia is not able to carry out the usual responsibilities of a pastor because he can only hold a worship service on Sunday afternoon. And sometimes it's a bit later because he also leads another church in a Sunday morning and he needs to travel about one hour, one hour drive to our church plant. And during the week, our young brothers and sisters in that area of Palawan are hungry for the word of God. And no one's, no one's leading them during the week. Why? Because all of them are young Christians. There's no one who is more mature enough to lead them into their Bible studies and prayer time and so on. And that's why it's been my prayer and the prayers of the deacon to 
God, that God will raise up a leader. It could be from this church or it could be from other places in the Philippines. But the important thing is that every group needs a leader. Just like the disciples. That's why when Jesus Christ said, I'm going to leave you, but where I go, you cannot come because he's going to heaven. They will follow soon, but not right now. Live for God's glory. As long as you're still alive on this earth, would you make a commitment to the Lord? Not to me. Make a personal commitment to Him. Lord, in everything that I do, I will live for your glory. I want to please you. If I'm going to displease other people, then so be it. But of all people, I don't want to displease you, Lord. Because you're the only person who can love you. So who can, you're the only person who can love me so dearly. You're the only one who accepted me just as I am. Live for God's glory. And then lastly, in verses 34-35, put your loyalty to God on display by loving other people. Put your loyalty by loving other people. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. This is a command specifically to the followers of Jesus Christ. Why is it important to express this kind of love to the circle of God's people first? Because remember, the source of all our love is God. Remember, God is love. And because God loved us first, we can love others too. So number one is the love of God, the source, the love of Jesus Christ. And that love of Jesus Christ will be in our heart and that love will continue to be shared and will be a blessing to the others in our family. And that's why we are commanded to love one another. So it's a step by step. The love of God is showered in each one of us and then that love is spread to our church family members and then and only then can we shower that kind of love to our community, to the people outside this church family. And that's why our visitors today, our guests, Mike and also Karen through our love for one another they will see if we are truly Christ's disciples if we are truly following Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ's main command he did not say follow all the ten commandments he said love one another you love God first and then love your neighbor as yourself Sometimes we complicate our expression of love. We say, I need to do these things. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But Jesus Christ summarized love into two things. Love God and love your neighbor. I know it's, a simple, it's very simple to say, but it's hard to apply. Especially that person that God is commanding you to love is your worst enemy, your public enemy number one. Right? It's hard. 
And just as we have studied in the small group discussion, you need to restore that relationship. Although Jesus Christ knew that Judas is going to betray him, he never stopped loving him. The same with all of us. Never stop loving those people who hurt you so much. Continue to love them. And you have time to confront them, tell them that I forgive you for what you have done. Why should we do that? Because Jesus Christ forgave us also. Forgive one another as Jesus Christ has forgiven you. That's the new man that we need to put on every moment of our life. By this shall all men that know men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. This kind of love is not just any other kind of love. This love is sacrificial love. The love that says, even if you hurt me, and even if you don't apologize to me, I still love you. I still love you. Even if you don't talk to me anytime soon, or you'll never talk to me forever, I still love you. That's the kind of love that we need to exhibit as God's disciples. Let me give you a three-point application here as we close the message. First and foremost, this coming week, I want each one of us to evaluate our goals. Make a list of your current goals. And then, if you put down all the goals there, and on top of that ledger of your goals, give God the glory. That will be the title. Give God the glory. And then, sort out through all those goals, whether that will be two, three, or five, or ten. Sort out those goals and ask the Lord, Lord, will this goal give you the glory? And if the answer is no, delete it. Erase it. Go one by one until probably you might, you might have erased everything already. And then you need to start out with a new list of goals. Secondly, confess your betrayal to the Lord. Remember, we betray the Lord not only by the, uh, in the likes of Judas Iscariot and the Apostle Peter, but we betray Him when we offend Him. How do we offend Him? When we commit sin. When we go out of the way of God. When we follow our will rather than God's will. Confess your betrayal to the Lord. And lastly, this is what I want you to do. Even after this message, I want us to have certain moments, a few moments in your life, at this moment after I prayed, that you will commit to consistency to the Lord. Tell the Lord, Lord, it is in my heart to be consistently loyal, loyal and faithful to you because you are always faithful to me. I want to be faithful to you starting from this day on forward until you end my life. Will you do that? Please do that, uh, my brothers and sisters, and then we'll close in prayer. Have some few moments. Close your eyes if you want, and then ask the Lord to give you that consistent loyalty that you want to, in order to give God all the glory.